told to serve the Lord in this. How? With all our heart. That's the second one. With all our heart. There's not an or in there. It's not fear the Lord and tell people about me or serve me. It's and. To do this and to do this. So to serve. In addition to fearing the Lord, we're to serve the Lord. The heart is the seat of thought and emotion, and we're being invited to serve the Lord with all our thoughts, with all our opportunities, all our decisions, all our advice. It's all-encompassing. At the end of 1 Samuel chapter 12, God himself steps in and confirms that the people had done a great wickedness in asking for a king. God validates and affirms Samuel's words, prophecy, and ministry by thunder and rain, and the people acknowledge that what they had done was wrong. As they begin to panic, Samuel encourages them to repent, to humble themselves, and to seek and serve the Lord with a faithful heart from here on out. In today's message, Pastor Mark will remind you that no matter what you've done in the past, If you repent and humbly approach the Lord today, He will receive you and do wondrous things in your life. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 with today's edition of Come Alive. Samuel's saying, here's some backup proof. Let me show you what happened when your fathers did this thing. God's hand was against them. Oh, I thought he was a loving God. He is. It's called discipline. So if you do this, this is what's going to happen. This, this if clause takes place, if you do. And so there's a lot of them in the Old Testament. There are those in the New Testament. Because here's what happens when we teach out of the Old Testament. Everybody's like, well, I'm not under the law. That's Old Testament. Well, let me just quickly. God is the same when? Yesterday, today, tomorrow. God doesn't change. You know, it's, it's weird. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his mind. So he's not going to change, right? So in the New Testament, Jesus says, here's the if clause for Jesus. If you love me, and this is where it's going to start to hurt and rub us a little raw today. If you love me, you will keep my commands. How many of you are keeping his commands? Wow, no hands went up. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, if you love him, do you love him? We say it. Now prove it. Starting today, prove it. Why is this so important? Well, it's an opportunity to reveal our love and our obedience. See, we know the right thing to do, but doing the right thing, well, we tend to just kind of neglect and even forsake and, and well, that's sin. When we neglect and we forsake, though we know if we love him, we are to keep his commands. But when we don't do them, well, that's sin. Well, I'm forgiven. Uh, I'm forgiven. I'll just ask for forgiveness. Well, knowingly sinning? Really? See, their prosperity would still be a possibility. The children of Israel, going back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel, their prosperity would still be a possibility on the condition that they and their king would give full allegiance to the Lord and his commandments. 
Just giving full allegiance to that, saying, I'm willing to give it all to you. And Samuel's going to use a very powerful illustration. Look at verse 16. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I'm going to call the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see what your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. 18, verse 18. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Man, that'd be so awesome to have. Like, it's right now. Like, I just want to be that prophet. Lord, these people who have never witnessed for you and who won't witness for you tomorrow, because if he knows everything in the future, I would be like, let's have a hailstorm and just tear up the cars of those who aren't going to do that. How many of your cars, don't raise your hands, but how many of our cars would be tore up? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, the Lord does it. I mean, that's what he says. That's what Samuel's doing right here. Verse 19, and all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. I'm just asking for your cars to be jacked up. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king ourselves. Man, I can't tell you how often I want to pray prayers like that. There may be people in the audience there that are like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever, Samuel. Uh, we, we have the victory, bro. We won. Whatever you say. Some may even be sleeping. Oh, you windbag. It's another one of those sermons. And so Samuel's saying, anyone having a hard time believing what I'm saying? Why don't we do this? It's harvest season, and we're going to go ahead. And, and the rains have stopped, basically, during this time of year. And you've been waiting for the grains to fall off the line. So I'll tell you, here, here's what I'm going to do. Just to show you how great and serious your sin has been, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to call and ask for a serious thunderstorm that's going to strip all your little stalks of wheat completely bare. You won't have any harvest this year. And when you think about your plenty as being a sign of your success, well, may that law speak to you concerning your wickedness. And what happens? We read what happens. Okay, God, let it rain down upon your people. Now there's not a sleeping person in that congregation because they're all running. People are running for refuge. The people are saying, Sam, please, Sam, come on, bro, please make it stop, make it stop. And Samuel's just showing them what's going to happen if they don't repent. What a great sermon illustration to have. That would be awesome. How many times have you heard, watch out, be careful, don't do that. Spend some more time, pray about it. And how often has the people, the Christians, snubbed their nose towards God? But here's the deal. Repent. Repent, guys. Just repent. That's what Samuel's saying, because if you don't, these things will happen to you. These things are going to happen to you. You're you're weak. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to have a return on your investment. And this is going to be a big problem. So God speaks volumes to the people. He speaks volumes to you. But those who stand around and never take serious God's word, the need to fear the Lord, they're the ones who freak out when the storms come. They're the ones who panic. They're the ones who start to shake. They're the ones who start to look around for like, well, let me see. Um, if I do this and I call this and I do this. And they start making their own little plans and they wonder why, like, God's not blessing. They start to freak out. God speaks volumes to the people. Look at verse 20. 
It says, Then Samuel said to the people, Don't, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. And so there are three things you may want to write down. Three things you may want to write down in these two verses that Samuel says. Number one, if you underline in your Bible, then underline fear the Lord. Fear. The other thing, serve the Lord. And then the third thing, forsake all others. Number one, underline fear. It means revere and respect. It doesn't mean afraid, scared, but it means and it implies I don't want to do anything that would stain the reputation of my Savior. You want to honor and you want to glorify him. You want to build him up. It's the same kind of fear and and reverence you would have for the guy that's about to promote you at work. If you really like the guy and he's a righteous dude or or a girl, and you want to be like, man, I'll do anything to make my boss look good, and so I'm going to do my best. Even if it means cleaning toilets, I'm going to do my best. So let me ask you, the first one being fear. Is your fear for a man greater than your fear for God? And again, it's the if that I'm throwing in there. Think about it. Is your fear of man greater than your fear of God? Think about that. It could be, it's either yes or no. And the situation would be, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And one of those commands may be God knocking on your heart to witness his truth to your neighbor, friend, or coworker, right? And you may think, well, come on, Lord. You know, he, he, he may think I'm weird or, or that I'm strange or not intelligent enough, he, he, he may have a better argument for why he doesn't. Have you thought how God would feel if you don't? Have you really thought about it? Like, what, how does God feel by me not standing up and talking about him? Well, will he think it's weird that you call yourself a servant of his? That you're, you're not willing to do anything he, he's asked you to do? Uh, would you, do you think he would think that's weird? Or would you say your fear of man is greater than the fear of God? Let me put it in, a, in another way. One time I, I knew of a, a guy and a girl that were getting married, and I walked up to the guy, and it was, it was freshly announced, and I walked up to the guy, and, I, and it was about two weeks, and I said, hey, bro, uh, you know, your girlfriend, I was just talking to her, congratulations. And he looked at me, and he goes, for what? Would that be a red flag to you? Because that really did happen. And I was like, Maybe it's the wrong dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, she pointed out he's the only guy walking out here. Maybe she, maybe she, and I look and she's over there waving and he's waving back. And I'm like, you know her, right? And he's like, yeah. And I go, aren't you getting married? And he goes, oh, yeah, that. I was like, did she ask you or you ask her? I'm trying to figure this out. So, do you think if she would have been standing there, she'd have been hurt? When I said, hey, congratulations, for what? Do you think God just thinks it's weird that we don't talk about him to our friends and our family, but yet we we say, Lord, we sing songs about him, how much we love him, and we read about him, and, and sometimes we might even really think, man, it'd be cool to have that kind of faith. I want that, Lord. I want to love you with all my heart. And you think it's weird that he's like, man, I let my kid die for you and... <laughs> You didn't even tell that guy? 
You might think it's weird. When you stop and consider it, God has asked all of us to be a witness of his truth. What if I said next week, if you tell someone about an opportunity that awaits them in God and bring them to church, I will give each one of you $1,000. And and, and you can't be like, okay, well, that'd be cool because I know this dude and we could split it. No, not that. Not splitting it with him to bring him here so you can just get. But a real genuine, hey, I want to tell my friend about Jesus Christ. And I give you a thing. And I take your friend and he comes in and says, hey, did did so-and-so tell you about you? Yeah, what did he say? And he tells me. And did you get saved? Yeah, I got saved, man. I, I believed it. And cool, man, let me write your friend a check for $1,000. And some of you are like, wait a minute, can the church afford it? It's just an illustration. And so they come because it's genuine and it's real. And you have taken the time to love on them and really care for them as Christ's words command. And so you think everyone in this room would be a taker. I think everyone in this room would be saying, yeah. But God says to you, I'm not going to give you $1,000 immediately. I mean, if you, you know, some of, you, some of us might be like, well, Mark, we could really use the money. And, and okay. But think about it. God says, I'm not going to give it to you immediately, but I'm going to lay it up for you here in heaven. I'm going to lay it up for you here in heaven. Will, will you do it now? Will you do it now? See, if you're willing to do it for $1,000 next week, What's that reveal if you say, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to do it? Well, it reveals that our love for money is greater than our love for God, that our fear of man is greater than our fear of God. That's what it really reveals. And we've all got to be real honest with ourselves at this point in this place and say, well, if you would even consider the $1,000, did you consider what God says? If you love me, if Jesus you love me, you will keep my commands. But we are also told to serve the Lord in this. How? With all our heart. That's the second one. With all our heart. There's not an or in there. It's not fear the Lord and tell people about me or serve me. It's and. To do this and to do this. So to serve. In addition to fearing the Lord, we're to serve the Lord. The heart is the seat of thought and emotion, and we're being invited to serve the Lord with all our thoughts, with all our opportunities, all our decisions, all our advice. It's all-encompassing. And so then to forsake all others is the next thing. The third thing, to forsake all others. Because no one or nothing is worth serving like that. No one or nothing is worth serving with all your heart. And, and nothing or, or none will satisfy or bring that kind of benefit that God's going to bring. And, and so, you know, when we don't lay up, you know, I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, you know, those, those people who just get saved and do nothing. And yeah, heaven is better than, than the highest paid position in hell. It's better to be the street sweeper. But, you know, I was wondering, would you show up in heaven? And, and, and we got this forever, right? Heaven is eternal, forever. And forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We get the point, Mark. And ever and ever and ever. We got it. And forever and ever and ever and ever. To not have furniture in your house? I know that's not biblical, but I mean, I just kind of think about it. You know, I'm like, man, what, what are we laying up there? Why do we need treasure in heaven? Am I going to starve? What well, says there's going to be no hunger. Will I have want? 
Well, what is that treasure? It's obviously got to be great and awesome because it's compared to a mansion. How many of you want a mansion? I don't want to clean one but or mow it, but I mean, man. So again, here it is, the if. He is saying, you need to do these things. You need to be a participant of this because if you are not, you will find yourself serving something else that something else will not profit you. It will not benefit you. And, and you won't have a return on your investment, and you'll find yourself exercising futility. Just futility. Think about it from a practical standpoint. God is waiting for you to invest in the kingdom, and he promises you a reward. Now, it's funny. We'll all invest in the stock market or in something that will get us some money, but what winds up happening is, is you turn a deaf ear towards God, and you look for any other direction to invest your time and your talent and your energy, and, and your effort, why? Because those are all sure things, we're told. It's a sure thing. They're safe. I've talked to that person. He made this promise based off of his promise. I am now forging ahead to do. And then all of a sudden, I say to you, as your pastor, as your friend, unwise, unwise, don't do it. Don't think about it. Don't, not that you have to throw everything my way, but those things when I say that, and God says it, unwise, in the light of God, he makes a specific promise concerning the kingdom to come. And, and who has never, ever been wrong? God. The guy who promised you that sure thing, that sure job, that sure investment, that big payoff. You know what I always ask people? Have you ever been wrong yeah. Could you be wrong about this? And if they say no, I walk away. If they say yeah, I'll take it to the Lord. Do I do this, Lord? Is this a wise move? Is this a good move? Can you show me a scripture that backs it up? Whether it be a job or an investment or the risk of a client I had that happen the other day. Somebody said, hey, we want you to do this. And I remember I was like, nah, I don't know. i got a question. Oh, it'll be a perfect relationship between us. No, there ain't no perfect relationship. Why not? Because I'm involved in it. Now, I don't know about you. Unless you're Jesus Christ in the second coming, it ain't going to be a perfect relationship. So let's just be real honest with each other. Well, that's wise, Mark. No, that's the Lord. It's not Mark being wise. It's just God. So let's sit down and hammer this thing out. And as we sat down, I saw a lot of imperfect things on his part. If I'd have just signed the dotted line, I'd have been in trouble. I said, hey, you know what? We're going to use my contract. I'll send it to you. You doctor it, and we'll fix it. And we fixed it. He goes, now, I think it's perfect. I go, still not perfect. There's probably some flaws in there, but we'll work through those things. Shook hands, and on we went. See, God makes specific promises concerning the kingdom to come. He's never been wrong. And so who's waiting to write? He's he's totally 100% waiting to righteously reward each and every one of us to reward you. So God wants our attention to be focused on heaven, to store and to stash things there, not here. How many of you had something new three years ago and it's now old and you're kind of looking at it considering replacing it? See, we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Look at verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. 
Verse 23. Focus on verse 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. So have you ever counseled someone to do this or that, and they do exactly the opposite of what you tell them to do, and you wonder, you know, why? Well, why would you do that? I knew. Well, here Samuel says, I'm going to continue to pray. I counseled you to do this thing, and you guys are kind of going the opposite direction. But what I'm going to do, though you didn't listen to me, though you didn't take heed, I'm going to go ahead and just continue to pray for you. And I know I shouldn't have a king, or you shouldn't have a king. I know it's an act of rebellion. But in spite of all that, I'm going to continue to pray for you because it would be sin for me if I didn't do that. Now, What about that person that's real close to you and they do something and you're really angry and frustrated that they didn't take heed and you're like, oh, I'm just not going to pray for that guy. And if you do, it's like, Lord, just rain down thunder and hail on top of them. And it's like, no, that's not the prayer. That's not the prayer. See, there are going to be people in your journey of life that will do something that really offends you. It's really going to bother you. And you're going to be like, I did this and I told them this and I counseled them this and they did the exact opposite. And our human tendency will be, well, I'm not going to pray for them. Or I want to pray a harsh prayer for them. And Lord, may your heavy hand of judgment be upon them. No, don't do that. Samuel says, I need to pray for you because if I don't, oh man, just I I think about this. Uh, I think we need to pray for those who, who didn't heed the godly counsel and pray for them that they in time of difficulty, that their heart is well prepared to deal and will turn and run towards God in that time of difficulty. That's the prayer that we need to pray. Look at verse 24. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart For consider what great things he has done for you. If we fear the Lord and we serve him, the wandering away from God is probably not going to happen. The stepping away. Fear the Lord. It's the path to righteous living, a constant awareness that God is there, that he knows, and that he will judge if not, if we don't. Verse 25 talks about being swept away. So here it is. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Have that reverence and that awe of thinking that he's with me every moment of every day of every second. And you know what? When I step away from him, when, when I blatantly just forsake him, I might be swept away. Because you know what? God will honor that thing that you want. If you want it bad enough, he's going to allow it. Doesn't mean he approves of it, but he's going to allow it. The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. 
It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.